Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, our study of the book of Philippians, which we have called Joyride, comes to a close. Leading us as we complete our study is our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching on Philippians 4 and joy in giving. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Lord, that is our prayer this morning. Be still our soul. Lord, many of us would love to be able to pray that and mean it. Some of us, our souls are stirring. Some of us, we have fears and anxieties. We have worries. And we've lost the joy. Lord, I pray that you impress upon us the message this morning to have joy. Lord, that we can be still, we can have peace despite the circumstances, despite what's going on around us. We thank you that Paul was able to to say that with full confidence and assurance. He was able to have peace because of who you are and what you've done and what you promised to do. So Lord, I pray that you impress upon us that same feeling of peace this morning, that same feeling of joy, knowing that you're in control. We thank you for what you teach us in your word. Be with us now in the moments ahead. I pray that my lips are your lips and my heart is your heart. And we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And we can walk out of here with joy. And I ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. We are finishing up our series here called Joyride, a trip through Philippians. And I I hope that you've been able to follow along with us, read Philippians along with us throughout our, our time together. Philippians is so full of so many great promises and truths. And I thought it's fitting that we call it Joyride because if you've ever been in a car just for fun to go through, to have joy, that's what Philippians is. It kind of takes us through a journey that we can have joy despite the the suffering that we have, despite uh, what's going on around us, that we can have joy in our unity, joy in believing. And this week we look again, joy in giving. And there's really a lot to this passage that we just read, uh, that was just read to us there in your service sheets. I I started at verse 4 because verse 4 is really the sum up of all of Philippians. If you've been with us, you know that we've done series and book studies from time to time. We we, we try to focus and key in on that one verse. And that one verse in Philippians is Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Say that with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That is the key to Philippians. You know, the Philippian church need to be reminded to have joy. I looked at that verse and throughout the past few weeks, I... Reflecting on the book of Philippians, I find it striking that that, that, that verse is a, is a command, isn't it? A command to have joy. It's tough to do, though, isn't it? You know, I was thinking this week that when, if you have kids, if you, know, you have kids, you command them to do things, right? And sometimes we, as parents, say some off-the-wall things, trying to force our children to, to feel a certain way, right? Eat those vegetables and you'll like them, Right? You will sit there and eat those vegetables and you will love them, right? You better stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about, right? I've heard that one many times growing up, right? Or the worst pain for siblings. You'll hug your brother and you'll love him, right? You say you're sorry and you love him, right? We command them to do certain things, to have certain emotions. I remember being some time ago on vacation, if you've ever taken kids on vacation. And I remember being in a place, and as it was, we got to get up early to travel. 
And the kids were tired by the end of the day. It was late afternoon. It was very hot. It was in the mid-90s. Everybody was hungry and tired. And I remember very clearly my daughter, who was very young at the time. I think she was four or five. She was crying. And I, I remember looking at her and, I'll, and, I, and I said, I spent a lot of time and money to get us here, right? You better stop crying and start enjoying this, right? She did, by the way. She Turn the corner. Now, it's really hard to evoke that kind of joy, right? If you've ever had parents, you try to invoke joy in your kids. When, when I look at Philippians 4.4, 4, that verse again, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Paul repeats it. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's, it's a command to, to have joy. It's the key to all of Philippians, right? So I started thinking this week, how can we be commanded to have joy? How can you tell someone to have joy when you go through life, when there's pain, there's trials, there's anxieties, there's fears, there's suffering, there's grief? How could you command somebody to have joy? Just like you tell a kid to have joy in a certain circumstance. How can you tell somebody to have joy? How can Paul command us to have joy? How is the Lord telling us to be joyful always? Till I realize that joy... Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and for his own glory. You see, when we go through life, we think that we need to have joy. And that joy is going to come in a variety of ways, whether it's in our vacation that we're going to have or the cars that we have or our relationships that we have. Joy is, joy is not a feeling. It's a deep down confidence that we have. Therefore, that we can say, all is well. You know, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Paul was suffering in a variety of ways. The Philippian church was going through a variety of trials, and he's reminding them to have joy. The joy isn't something that's a superficial laugh joy. It's a deep down confidence that God is in control of all things. You can't command someone to have joy. But you can remind them that God's in control, and from that stirs up joy. You know, it's not joy, as we've seen throughout this book, in suffering. Pastor Jamie, when he spoke about suffering, talked about the pain in his back. There's no joy there. There's no joy in the pain. There's no joy in wickedness. There's no joy in misery, sorrow, or death. There's no joy in those things. When we look on the news and see all the heinous things going on, there's not joy there. You think, well, how can we have joy? Joy is a deep-down confidence knowing the Lord's in control, and that's what stirs joy. Joy is also not found in other people. Relationships, our husbands, our wives, our spouses, our boyfriends, girlfriends, our children, our fiancés. Why? Because they can change. People are human. They can disappoint. Joy is found in a deep-down confidence that the Lord is in control. Many people will say, I want to come in and sing joyfully worship, but I just don't feel like worshiping. Should I worship? Absolutely, because when we worship, we're reminded of who the Lord is, that he is in control, that all is well, and then it penetrates our hearts so that we can have joy. So does joy start from the inside out or the outside in? Oftentimes, it starts from the outside in. We come and we get to a point where we don't really feel like worshiping. We don't really feel like joy. But when we're reminded of who God is, it's a deep down confidence of what he's done. That stirs up joy. 
Many times I'll hear people <clears throat> who come to my office and say, you know, Jared, I don't have a whole lot of joy. There's a lot of issues and pain in life. And I've heard this more often lately. They'll say, you know, I've been listening to the radio all day. I've been listening to Christian radio. I'll have it on at home. I'll have it on in my car. But I just don't have the joy. And while I, Christian radio is a wonderful thing, I say, are you really listening to the songs? Are you letting it penetrate your hearts? Or are you just singing along the words? Because if you literally let it penetrate your hearts, you'll remember and reflect that God is in absolute control. And then out from it, you can have joy. You see, the key to all this, you have to understand, when it says rejoice in the Lord always, it's a major principle in life. That spiritual stability is directly related to how a person thinks about God. Stay with me. This is a very deep principle about joy. Spiritual stability. You want to know if you are spiritually stabi- have spiritual stability in life. It's directly related to how a person thinks about God. Because if, if, if you have a, a, a healthy view of God, what he's doing, what he's going to do, what his promises are true in his word, and you reflect on those, and you put them in your heart, and you have that deep down confidence, then you have that spiritual maturity. <clears throat> One of the books I'd read um, some time ago, a very deep book. And I read this quote to you and I bring it up to you because I think it sums up uh, entirely what this message is all about, about joy, about commanding joy, about how we are to have joy. And it was, about, it was a book called The Knowledge of God by A.W. Tozer. And this is what it says. It says, what, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at a given time might say or do, but what he in his heart, deep heart, conceives God to be like. The question for you this morning is, what is your view of God? There are many churches who have the idea, will preach the idea of if you can believe it in your minds, it'll happen. That's a view of God. Some people will teach that God is punishing us when we do wrong. Some people believe that when we pray, God will automatically open the door for us and give us everything that we ask or wish. You see, those views of God really distort the joy in life. Tozer goes on to say, and it's not on those screens, but the church can never escape the self-disclosure of its witness concerning God. You go into any church, it's, it's very clear what the witness is concerning God, what that church thinks about God. You see, the knowledge of God is the key to rejoicing. The knowledge of God is the key to rejoicing. You want to know how to rejoice. It's about the knowledge of God. It's not about finding it in various ways. It's about the knowledge of God. The idea that he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Once we understand the knowledge of God, that's the key to rejoicing. 
That's why David said in Psalm 1, he says this, he says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaves don't wither, whether whatever they do prospers. They are like the trees planted by the water. They don't wither. They don't get sour. They don't die. They, they continue to prosper. Why? Because they, they, they stand in the Lord. They delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate upon him day and night. Throughout time and time again, throughout the Bible, as we've seen, People go through all kinds of circumstances. You can point to your own own circumstances in life. And you can rejoice because you understand God's in control. See, if the joy was about us, if it was about forcing us to have joy that was superficial, we'd be in big trouble. I, I think it's wonderful, modern day counseling. Many people go to counselors and Christian counselors. I think it's fantastic. But fortunately, some modern therapies and counseling... Have the focus on the self. They'll say things like, you need to have good self-talk. You need to tell yourself that you're good, that you can do good things, that you can be positive. They'll have self-action. Make sure that you're doing things that are positive. Make sure that you do things that are, that are healthy for you. They'll have self-reliance. Don't rely on anybody else. Rely only on yourself. Well, those are all great things that we can be positive and do good things. The thing is, once we start focusing on ourselves to bring us joy, that's when we get into problems. Because as soon as we make a mistake, our joy goes down the tubes. The joy comes from the knowledge of God. What he says he is and what he promises to do, then we have joy. Your Bibles say, if you go on and read in Philippians 4, it's in your service sheets as well. In verse 5, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's, he's near. Don't be anxious about everything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, I don't think many of us have trouble presenting our requests to God. I think many of us struggle with presenting them with thanksgiving, Right? When you don't have a job, it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? When you're really sick or you're in the hospital, it's hard to be thankful. When your spouse or child is sick, it's hard to be thankful. How do we be thankful when we present our request to God? We're thankful because he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. That he's in control of all things. Then we can be thankful. Lord Jesus, thank you that you already know what I'm going through. Thank you that you know that I'm in prison, says Paul. Thank you. I already know that you know exactly where I am, that you know what my needs are. It says, don't be anxious, but in everything, by every situation, by prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. I love that little phrase there, transcends all understanding. Why? Because there are certain times in life you would think as believers we shouldn't have a peace, right? Paul being in prison near death, you wouldn't think that that would be a very peaceful, joyful time. That's why it transcends all understanding. Because modern human emotion would say, don't have joy there. Be fearful. Be anxious about everything. That's why it's a divine power that is present with us. It's the peace of God. It transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 57 
David says this, my heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. David didn't always feel like singing and making music, did he? Some of you do not feel like singing and worshiping when you come in here because of all the problems in life. But when you do, what happens is it comes in and you're reminded that God is good, that he's holy, that he's all-knowing, that he's near. And therefore, we're not anxious about anything, that we can be peaceful. It transcends all understanding. And then we will sing and make music because our hearts are now steadfast, oh God. Paul goes on to say in verse 8 in your Bible, it says, Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let me ask you a question. What things in life are admirable, lovely? What things are true? What things are right? In a world that's constantly changing, in a world that people hurt, in a world where relationships fail us, in a world where jobs fail us, where our bodies fail us, what things are true, what things are pure, what things are lovely? It's not the vacation that we're about to go on. It's the words of the Lord written right here. That's what we're to focus on. And when we embrace the true picture of God, we embrace his promises, that's where the joy lives. And that's where we see in the second part of this passage that a joyful person is confident in God's provision. Look at verse 10. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul understands that God is going to provide for him in his greatest need. He rejoiced not only in the gift that he received, but he, re- he rejoiced in the, in the provision that God had given him. There was no panic, no reason to manipulate. He didn't seek to con- control things. A confident person trusts God's provisions. That's why if you have your Bibles, you might see in the context of uh, the title there that we give it, joy in giving. Why? There can be joy in giving, not because we can see the smile on other people's faces, but because joy is remembering God's provision and joy in giving is an act of faith. I've shared this story before. I love this story, though. is the story of the R.J. Latornu, who was the man who had developed all kinds of uh, big moving equipment, uh, backhoes and diggers and uh, all kinds of things that, uh, that he used to uh, move uh, a lot of dirt around. And he, he amassed a huge wealth because he owned this company to the point where when he was older, he was giving 90% of his income away and only living on 10%. Yet in spite of that, he was still getting richer every single day. So somebody once said to him, he said, uh, Mr. Latornu, how is it that you're giving 90% of all your income away, but you continue to get richer? And his answer was classic in relation to his equipment. He said, I just shovel it out and God shovels it back, but God must have a bigger shovel. That's faith. That's joy on someone's face because they realize in God's provision. Even if you have a lot, you can give a lot, knowing that God will continue to provide. If you have a little, you can give because giving is an act of faith. Because what? It reminds us of who God is. A joyful person is confident in God's provision. A joyful person is also satisfied with little. Look at verse 11. It says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul knew that the chief end of man was was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the joy of giving, right? It goes on in in, in verse 19 of Philippians 4, And God will meet all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All our needs, not all our wants, but all our needs. 
Sometimes we have wants and they're not really needs. That's why we always pray, I always encourage you to pray, God, pray that you meet our needs because he knows what we need. Abraham Maslow did, a, he was a secular psychologist, but he did a, presented something called the theory of human emotion. The idea was it was a pyramid. And the idea was is that no matter where you are in life, you are always looking, moving up the pyramid. So you have basic needs in life at the bottom, right? There's needs for food and water, right? So when you're, you're hungry or you're thirsty, you're dying of thirst, that's the only thing that you're thinking about, right? You're not thinking about relationships or, or, or having nice things or even the nice food. You're just wanting the basic foods. And so once we, we get those things, then we move up to the next level and we say, well, the next thing that we need now is shelter. So we, we move up those things, basic safety and security. Once the borders are secure, then we say it, it shifts some more. Then, then we look to have a longing and acceptance and love, things that we didn't think about before we were hungry and starving and needing of shelter. And we keep moving up the chain. Then we long for purpose and actualization. And by instinct, we're always moving forward. Even when we get food, the next thing is, is how can we get better food? You've seen this when you're buying a house. Nobody ever looks for a house that's worse than the house that they're in, right? No one has a car and says, my next car, I want it to be a lemon, right? We're always moving up the pyramid. As long as you're heading up the pyramid, your focus will be on what you don't have. It's and less aware of what you do have. It's only when you stop and look back and reflect on how amazing God is and what you already do have that you notice how good you had it all along. That's the joy that comes from being satisfied with little. Because you realize God's provided every need that you have. Think of missionaries. We support many missionaries here at the church and it seems like every few weeks some other folks we get to support as well. And they're we can support them as much as we're able, but they're not living on a whole lot. But what's great is that they have joy because they're satisfied with little. A joyful person is satisfied with little. They're satisfied and they're content and confident in God's provision, but they're a joyful person is also steady despite circumstances. A joyful person is steady despite circumstances. Look at verse 12. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, Paul understood that a joyful person is steady despite circumstances because there's going to be highs and lows. David had highs and lows in life, didn't he? He had times where things were going well. Then he had times where he was living in fear of his own son killing him or the fact that he was living anxiously because he had somebody else killed or he was going through a, 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 a marital affair. There's going to be highs and lows in life. A joyful person remains steadfast despite circumstances. Paul was steadfast. I know what it is to have uh, to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to, to be in need. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Many of you can relate by having a lot. When you lose a lot, you realize what you've lost. Being joyful means that you're content despite the circumstances. A joyful person is steady despite circumstances. And finally, and I love this, a joyful person is strengthened by divine power. Verse 13 is one of the most used verses, most quoted verses throughout the Bible. It says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yeah, I love that because it reminds us that 
we can do all things through him who gives me strength. That we can get through any circumstances in life because it's, it's him that gives it to us. Well, this is the most quoted scripture. Many sports athletes use this. I've, I've seen this on, on billboards. I've actually seen companies that have, I can do all things, right? The true meaning of all things might disappoint many Christians, though, because you've got to put it in context of what Paul is saying. Many people say, I can do all things that says, if I put my mind to it, I can achieve it. I can do my personal goal. I can get it done. I can win the game. I can ace the test. I can find personal achievement in face of severe odds. I can do all things. I can do it. But wrongly applied, what happens is, is that it, what happens if it turns out unfavorably? What if you can't do it? What if things don't work out? What if you didn't win the game? Then what happens is the failure calls into question God's goodness, his sufficiency. It robs countless hurting people and weak people of the truth here, the power of weakness. What Paul is saying, he says, listen, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have a little. I know what it is to have pain. I know all these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, like go hungry, like have cancer, like be killed, like go home to be with the Lord. I can do all things. You see, when you look at the verb there in the Greek, the Greek verb is eskahua. There's nothing to do in that verb that we do. That verb means to prevail, to be strong, to be powerful, to be able to get through something. Well, Paul is saying, listen, you can get through anything in life. Whether you have a lot or you have a little, you can do all things through him who gives you strength. So even if you do have a sickness, you can get through that. Why? Because it's him who gives you strength. Because you remember God's in control. If you're going through a failed marriage, you can do all things. Why? Because it's him who gives us strength. Why? Because it's our view of God. If you're suffering in a variety of ways, what can you do? I can do all things. I can get through this. Because why? Spiritual stability is directly related to your view of God. That's where the joy comes. That's where the joy comes. My question for you this morning is what's your view of God? The wonderful passage through the scripture is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can get through any situation, anything in life. Why? Because he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. And that's what brings us joy. So we don't feel like worshiping. We don't feel like singing. We don't feel like having joy. Remember, joy comes because we reflect on the goodness of God. It's a deep-down confidence that he is in control. So when it comes to our giving, we give because we know that God's in control, because he can provide for us, that he's going to meet all our needs. And that transcends all things in life. So what's your view of God? I hope your view of God throughout the book of Philippians, as you remember and reflect, is that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and that we can have joy in suffering, joy in unity, joy in believing, joy in giving. I hope today, as we sing our last song, that you can have joy as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the fact that we can have joy. Lord, so many of us are longing for that joy. We're looking for, in so many different ways, find joy. I feel like sometimes we're just trying to come up for air. We look to the next vacation or the next weekend where we can get a break from work. Or we look for the next thing in life where we can, next paycheck, find joy. Lord, help us to not look at ourselves to find joy. Help us to look to you to find joy. Help us to remember the truths that you promise in your word. 
Lord, help that to bring a joy to our faces, knowing that you've already paved the way for us, that you love us so much, that you sent your son to die in our place on the cross for us so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can come to you in times of need, so that we are anxious, that we can come and present our, our request to you with thanksgiving, knowing that you love us, you care for us, and you're with us every step of the way. Lord, help us to have that joy. Lord, we surrender it all to you. Everything that we have, everything that we do, we surrender it all to you because you're in control. And for that, we give you praise and glory. We ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?